0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more
1: shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright
0: spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, though. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Where we discuss and dissect the Supernatural. Welcome to the 3AM Podcast. My name is DJ.
1: My name is Sean.
0: My name is Charlie. We're just a couple of friends, tell scary stories, and hopefully make you laugh.
1: Hopefully.
2: Speaking of movies, I've been working on a movie set the past two weeks. Oh, which Hollywood. Which has been really fun, but exhausting. Like the shortest amount we've worked in one day is like 12 hours. <laughs> but... It's been cool to see the inner workings of a film and the background and how many moving pieces there are, and how many people are on the set, like making this thing yeah. come to life. But Coordination must be wild. It is. Everybody has their job and it's like clockwork, super tight scheduling and everybody's just doing their best to stay on top of it. Tank. But this movie is uh, it's called Alien Country. <laughs> it's supposed to be Zombieland meets uh, Stranger okay. Things. So it's a creature feature. And uh, they have like impressive pull with like the people who are working on the film. Some of the actors and actresses have worked with like A-listers. One of the girls in there is in a movie with Ryan Gosling.
0: Oh, I heard of him.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's cool. It's just cool to watch and see come together. So even though I feel like I oh maybe we shouldn't put this even though I feel like I wouldn't watch it normally, but because now <laughs> I'm part of it, like I'm
0: really stoked to watch it.
1: I feel you. Bro, someone you know? said alien country, and I was like, I'm in, bro. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh while on set, DJ met someone.
2: One particular individual on set, his name is Raven. HR First of
0: all, Interesting name. Yeah,
2: H R A F E N. H R A F E N. Yeah, Wait, Raven. H R Raven. Raven. Yeah, something like Yeah, Raven. Raven. Yeah. <laughs> he's this older gentleman. He's getting uh he's getting ready to retire soon, I think. But he's a set designer. Ooh. And he was in charge of the art department. So that included like costumes, props, the trucks the sheriffs were driving and their the crossbows that the the hillbillies had to fight the aliens and uh he's a really cool dude. But his his workshop is in Salt Lake City and is allegedly haunted and has had ghost adventures like the, the TV, TV show, show okay. at his place three times to investigate. Ooh. Which is really fun. He said, I can tell you all the lies that they've told on the TV show. <laughs> But I can tell you all the things that are true as well. Um, And I was telling him, it it all started because I asked him, do you have any scary stories? And he was like, I don't know where to
0: start. (laughs) Well, that's the first of all, best answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, Where do I start, young man? Yeah. After he tells (laughs) me his first story, I'm like already kind of floored.
2: And I was like, hey, I have a podcast where we tell these stories do you mind if I share it? Or if you have more, do you want to be on the podcast? And he said, I love being on podcasts. So we're scheduling to go in about two weeks.
0: And we're not
1: just bringing them in here.
2: Yeah, we're going to the shop.
1: The haunted
0: shop.
2: Yeah.
1: We're going to spend the night, dude?
2: I don't know, dude. He made it sound like he's pretty open to like trying to make things happen.
1: Maybe we just stay till like 3 a.m. I mean, I'd be down. If it's if it's a weekend, if it's a week night, I gotta go to sleep. Should, I can in my sleep.
0: Should we share the detail about where we're gonna
1: record there?
2: So he said, "There's like a couple specific places where there's a lot of activity." And he said, "There's a table that always gets a lot of activity." And he said, "We can record on that table. We can sit around it and talk, have cameras set up, and <sighs> whatnot." But one more kind of precursor to that, he has befriended one of the ghosts there and it's a little girl named olivia and apparently she protects him she's not uh malicious at all compared to maybe some of the other ghosts there but uh he has a really good relationship with her like all like a lot of his stories involve him talking with her them having conversations him telling her to do stuff when ghost adventures comes And investigates or any paranormal investigator come, which sounds like it was kind of often. He'll like work with her to give them a show.
0: Whoa! Like,
2: hey, let's let's do something cool. Yeah, he'll tell her like, hey, Olivia, go tap on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and like within seconds, people will be like.
1: What was that? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah.
0: But dude, I just got nervous. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I. I know we talk know, a lot dude. of talk,
0: but I don't know when it comes to walking the walk. I'm just so terrified of like getting haunted. If like if I
1: know I can go there, experience it, then leave it. I'm down with that. If there's anything Scooby Doo has taught me, is it can all be faked, bro.
0: I mean, that's true. But if anything, Scooby-Doo Zombie Island has taught me is that sometimes that shit is real. You know what I mean, bro? It's true. There's only one way to find out. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm so excited for that.
2: Yeah. So we're trying to do it before Halloween. It's going to be on a Sunday where we'll record. And then we'll likely re- release that episode that following
0: Friday. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah, me nice. too. Something that's always interested me is unexplainable discoveries in history. So I came across a list and it just named a couple. Obviously there's way more. But uh I was going to read you some. And then if you guys can think of any chime in. All right, so the first one is these massive stone spheres in Costa Rica. Hmm. So I got this from a Live Science article written by
2: or Live Science.
0: Is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Heather Whips and Elizabeth Peterson. So the the, uh, the article just goes over mysterious uh, archaeological finds. Huh. It sounds like a credible BuzzFeed. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> You'll never guess what number four is. Uh, okay, so these giant stone spheres some date back to 680. Is it kind of like uh, a
1: 680? Yes.
0: Okay. Is it kind of like Easter Island? Like the stone heads. In what way? Where they just like have no idea? Yeah. Like yeah, totally. How
2: to get there. Like who who put it there? Yeah, know? they, they like, only have
0: legends. They have no idea. Yeah. So let me go over just a little bit about the, like what they actually are. So these are called the D-I-Q-U-I-S. Dequees? Dequees. Dequis okay. spheres, if you want to look them up. So a lot of non-experts. So there's like, a lot of experts have broken it down. They don't really know where they come from. And then there's a lot of like folklore and legend around them. And a lot of the non-experts say that they have like astrological. Origins. Yes. Yeah. And like a relationship.
1: Okay. Hmm. So some stonehenge, like astro astrological relationship.
0: Yeah. And if you look at them, some of them are like several feet high and they're perfect spheres made out of this like hmm. magma rock. Mm-hmm. And so back then, like, the tools that the people would have had back then are just, like, small stone tools. And yet they were somehow able to make these crazy, perfectly spherical things in the jungle. Some people thought they were, like, director markers for maybe significant places back then. But they really can't draw any conclusions.
1: So, like, those OG Cairns? (laughs) Yeah.
0: The people who, like, lived in this area who would have been most likely connected to whoever made them They all vanished with the appearance of, like, Cortez. So you know how he came over. So disease. Yeah, exactly. Uh, When they got there, they said there was, like, huge cities. Like, insanely huge cities. And they got there the first time, did their thing. They left and came back. And when they had come back, like, more than half of them had died. Yeah. So, like, his conquest wasn't that crazy. Yeah. Like, they're very lucky. Disease was on their side. (laughs) Uh, the
2: Spanish Inquisition or influenza? Ah.
0: <laughs> Spanish. But this is what they like, some of them look like. This is actually the one I, I'm like the most. I've heard about this since I was little, and it is freaked or like it has captured my imagination hardcore. So, what is it called? Antikythera Ant- mechanism. Yeah, mechanism. So, an- <laughs> I, Antikythera I, I mechanism. Know. So, they found this thing off the coast of Greece. And it was in like a ship. And what I, w- what I remember when I first saw it like on the History Channel or something is like, it was in this box, it was extremely corroded. They didn't really realize what it was. They brought it in and they opened it up. They, at looking at it at first, they, they had no idea what it was. And they took all these x-rays and inside of this thing, there is these gears. And it's not just gears, it's so elaborate that they said it was tantamount to opening up king's tut's tomb and finding a jet engine plane like cuz they dated it and back then they had nothing like this hmm. so what they, is it so they they, they kind of don't know it has these gears it has these dials and it has all these unknown markings like a language or runes around it so they don't actually know what it's for. A lot yeah. of people think it's for like um, navigating the ocean, but the inside of it is like a computer. It looks like a
2: timepiece almost, like like clocks, you know.
1: Yeah, it does. You got three possibilities: A, aliens; B, time travel; C, Atlantis.
0: That's one of them. <laughs> That's one, that's definitely one of them. So they said that they found this in sunken wreckage uh, of a Greek cargo ship. It's mm-hmm. at least 2,000 years old. The circular bronze artifact contains a maze of interlocking gears and mysterious characters etched all around, all over the exposed surfaces. It was originally thought, like I said, to be some kind of navigational astrolabe. I'm sure I said that wrong. Archaeologists continue to uncover its uses and – now know that it was, at the very least, a highly intricate astronomical calendar. Hmm. It was the most sophisticated device ever found from that period, preceding the next appearance of anything similar similar for a thousand years. Hmm. But one of the scientists who found it, yeah, when he said, this thing is so advanced, it is like if we open up King Tut's tomb and found a jet. Like that's how out of place this thing is. Hmm. So I, I just stuff like that I've always wanted to know. And, like, we'll never know those things. Uh You guys know the story of, like, Alexander's Alexandria's library? Library, Yeah. Dude, the saddest. Yeah. Yeah, for real. So, apparently, you know, like, Africa used to be this mecca of knowledge. Like, people would send their scholars, there's people um, everywhere to learn mathematics, you know, astronomy, alchemy, like, everything. And uh, I don't know exactly where the Library of Alexandria was. Do you guys?
2: Uh-uh. I have so, no idea.
0: But it had become this place where they had collected the world's knowledge, all the histories, like all the, the rarest books and things like that, and artifacts, and then in some war, some asshole burnt it all yeah. to the ground. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I also heard that every time people came into the city, they would take all of the literature, copy it verbatim, keep the original and give the copy to the person visiting. Well, that uh, was like the like people part would of the, bring their literature there. Yeah. Or like even if somebody was visiting and had like books on hand or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and like just years and years and years of being able to collect all of that. Like it just added to everything else that they had.
0: But you got to um, imagine they had like the mysteries of Egypt in there, how they built the
1: pyramids, things like that. Yeah. Ugh. But they did find that. In National Treasure. You're when done. They found- <laughs> <laughs> You're grounded.
0: That was basically it. There's Atlantis. There's Stonehenge. Huh. Stonehenge. There's these things. Anyway, that's just like, I, I basically just wanted to bring it up to show you that mechanism. But right, that's stuff I find super interesting. So hopefully you do too. <laughs> I do actually.
2: Cool. Dope, dude. Okay. I kind of want to like go through that whole article and just look at each one and try to find more resources and read up on On each
0: item. All right. Anyway, so I was just, you know, super intrigued by weird findings. And while I was going down that rabbit hole, there is, okay, this is going to get crazy. I'm just going to tell you what it is and we might have to do some research. Hmm. There's a dude who is a photographer Mm -hmm. who is deep in the jungles of India. And there's people in that region who are Zoroastrians, which I think is the oldest known religion in the world. Huh.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, to paint a picture or like build a background of Zoroastrianism. Sure. <laughs> I oh, know yes. I'm saying it wrong, but this religion. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things on Epstein's Island had imagery that was in this religion. Wow. So it's like the it, it is the oldest known religion, and there's themes of like preying on innocence or children for energy. So it has like this really dark old magic type Whoa. tone. Okay? So there's people who are known to practice this out in this out in this area. That's gross. So in January of 2003, Indian officials ventured deep into the jungle investigating several missing persons reports from a nearby village. So missing people are going missing. These people go out to sea.
2: Not missing people
0: are going out missing. <laughs> so, so people start going out missing and... This police gets called out there, and a photographer a photographer went out with them. Okay, so what they found was what is known as a tower of silence, and or a Dachma, dakma, d a k m a, d a h k m a. Sorry, zoroastrians use these sites to dispose of their bodies in open air. So instead of burying their bodies they lay them out in open air and this is how they do it. So they set them up on a tower of silence.
2: That reminds me of like the, not to break your, your track here, but like in the Philippines, they have like the hanging coffins. Oh yeah. Have you heard of that? Uh -uh. You can take a tour of it, but, um, they didn't believe body should be on the ground because that's like desecrating it, you know, like Uh dropping food on the ground. Yeah. Um, so they put them in coffins and, like, nailed the coffins to, like, the cave walls.
0: Whoa. Yeah. That's the creepiest image ever. Crazy, huh? Yeah. I think it's the Philippines. It, it, uh, different burial traditions are super interesting. Yeah. And there's some all over the world. Like, we had talked previously about the Maori one where they bury them for a year and then dig them up again and have another, like, ceremony huh. with the dead body. Yeah, yeah. Like that. yeah. Uh, I know that in Peru near the Nazca Lines – they all, all these mummies were buried in the same way and they're buried cross-legged with their head in their lap.
2: Mm. Yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah. We talked about Hawaiians being really secretive about their bones. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The bones of like royalty is like, some, there's like a specific family who handles all like the royalty kings and queens all their bones and knows
0: where all of them are. That's so crazy. Do you think that survived? Do you think that's around anywhere? I I bet you. Like some Hawaiians secretly know? Yeah. Bro, hit us up. Dude,
2: that'd be so (laughs) crazy, yeah. Um, But yeah, when we were in the Philippines, like they bury everyone above ground. I think now it's just more like cost efficient. Yeah. But like all the graveyards are just like cabinets.
0: When we went on our – Oh yeah, we stopped Scooter by those. Scooter ride, here. yeah.
2: Did you see them? Uh
0: huh. It it's
2: was weird, dude. Yeah.
0: Above ground casket type thingies everywhere. Yeah, yeah, little boxes.
2: You walk through,
0: and it's like it's just on open a random hill door. in the jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> here we are. Dogma. Jung- we're in the jungles of India, and they just discovered a dogma. So, um, Zoroastrians use these to dispose of bodies in an, in the open air. While sites like these are not uncommon in certain parts of India several peculiar peculiarities hint at something more unusual so they get there like it was such a shocking sight people like vomited left and the photographer just snaps a photo so i'll show you the photo at the end number one none of the bodies depicted in the photograph were identified none of them fit the description of the missing people or anyone was like known of that area okay mm. Villagers from nearby, initially surprised about the f- sheer number of corpses in the Dakma, proved unable to recognize any of the bodies. The corpses also did not match the descriptions of the missing people, like I said. Two, there were no animals except for maggots and flies, so nothing had to disturb these bodies. Zoroastrians rely on birds, such as buzzards, to dispose of the bodies in the belief that they are contributing back to the earth. Officials found the corpses relatively untouched by any animal. Three, there's no official count of the bodies. In fact, little work was actually accomplished at the site, and perhaps this is the reason only one photograph has emerged. Officials avoided the spot, not only because they felt uneasy looking at it, but because of the following as well.
2: Four. The following? Oh, the following points. Yeah.
0: So like all these dudes are sketched out. None of them really wanted to process the scene. None of them even wanted to look into it. They said a terrible feeling. The smell was unreal and it was all sketch. So how it's set up is a tower and on top of the tower is like an incline circular ledge. And in the middle of the tower is a huge pit. So all the bodies are like lined up at the top of this tower around this pit. And the idea is all their fluids drain into the pit.
2: I'm imagining like, like nuclear power plant <laughs> towers. Yeah, you know of. what I'm
0: talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like from The Simpsons or something.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where there's like the smokestacks coming out of yes. them. So it's just like a shell, like a cylinder. Yeah.
0: Almost. So picture that, but imagine obviously much smaller made out of like stone in the middle of the jungle and on the top is a pretty fat ledge where laid around all the edges, just hundreds of bodies. Okay. So the deep pit in the center of the photograph was filled with several feet of festering blood, far more than what the bodies around the ring could have produced. Like this thing was deep of just blood (sighs) that had like turned black, you know? The stench was so unbearable, many of the officials began to get nos- nauseous when they first approached the Docma. The expedition ended when a villager accidentally kicked a small bone into the pit, penetrating the coagulated surface of the pool. A massive burst of gas from the decomposing blood erupted from the pit, splashing those looking into it, along with the photographer. Ugh. Those caught in the explosion were immediately sent to the hospital where they were quarantined for a possible infection. Damn, they should (laughs) have worn masks. This (laughs) is pre-COVID. No one knew what was up. I'm sure some dude ran up and was like, are you okay? And then they just coughed in each other's mouth for a minute. Uh. Okay, they became delirious with fever super quickly. What? And they started shouting about being tainted with the blood of Arimant. Ah-riman. A-H-R-I-M-A-N, which is the personification of evil in Zoroastrianism. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. So like they start yelling this regardless, like none of them knew the background of the religion, right? None of them knew what that really meant. Yeah. But they're all screaming this. Yeah. In fact, many of them had no idea what the dogma was until they – had, like, found it. So they had no idea what it was. Someone had to come tell them, like, this is what this is. Delirium turned to insanity as many began to attack hospital staff until they were sedated. The fever eventually killed all of them. Even the photographer? Yes. Wow. This happened in 03? That's what it says, dude. January of 03. (sighs) So what they do after this is the officials come back to the docma. Full hazmat it out. Think the ending of E.T. Or, uh among us <laughs> sure yeah or breaking bad yeah <laughs> uh anyway so they have full hazmat regalia on they're ready they they ain't about to get that blood in the face yeah they walk up to the dogma they go up to the top it's completely empty all the bodies are gone all the blood is gone <laughs> Oh, my God. Nope. Uh, The only thing that remains from this, because everyone who was there the first day died, is the one photo. So here's the photo. Holy. That's
1: gross.
2: Okay, so what do you see?
1: A lot of dead bodies, like we described.
2: Those aren't, like, like, there's still flesh. All of them still have flesh. Like, a, I was going to say a healthy amount, but <laughs> that's not <laughs> Nothing, <laughs> healthy, about nothing healthy about this. Nothing healthy about this. I don't know. Because I'm an ex- an expert on- Of course. Steven decomposition. decomposition. Yes, totally. yeah. Rigor mortis and the like. Yeah. Um, I'd say those bodies, if they didn't undergo, like, mutilation, like, they just laid there perfectly fine. Dead. That's like, I don't know, three months? Maybe, yeah. I was originally thinking like hundreds and hundreds of years. Oh, and no, it was no, like no.
0: skeletons, but like. No, these I, are all uh, fresh, fresh boys. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I went in the comments. There was a lot of speculation. A lot of people immediately being like, BS. But, I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so like this guy, he goes into it. And he posts his description of like this ritual. Uh, these things are actually really well designed. There are only a few of them still in use by Zoroastrians. I might be saying that wrong. Zoroastrians. Sure. Zora- yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm gonna pronounce that wrong. Zoroastrians, primarily because there are only a few thousand of practitioners of Astri- Astrianism left in the world, because the tower which were originally built at at least a mile out of villages have been consumed by uh, urban sprawl. So they just like have disappeared to like places like Mumbai. Yeah. In this picture, you'll notice the grooves in the stone. These are to carry fluids, bodily fluids down into the central pit. That's
2: like but every horror movie yeah, involving it, like summoning a demon.
0: Yep. <laughs> but these also have religious significance. I think there's something like 72 of them and each of them stand for a religious tenant in Zoroastrianism. These are generally three concentric rings, one for men, one for women, and one for children. Sometimes bodies, are the, bodies of the deceased are laid out on the stone, but sometimes there are an open stone coffin that the tower attendants leave the bodies in. Only priests and the tower stewards are allowed inside. Only the stewards can go to the top of the tower. The priests do not ever go up there. The stewards are generally of the lowest societal class. They are responsible for knocking the bones into the pit when it's all done. The center of the tower is filled with all kinds of crazy aquifers to prevent groundwater from contamination. So they have like gravel, charcoal, sand, this whole thing set up so that like it doesn't contaminate groundwater. Yeah. And I think that's the part where we're saying like these things are crazily d- designed. So these towers were meant to stand for thousands of years. They were meant to be fairly clean and safe for the environment. They serve to unite Zora Astorians in death. They're actually pretty cool. <laughs> is what the dude just
1: finishes with. And then the next one, fake. <laughs> <laughs> I I so we have you guys responding and then me responding. Yeah.
0: Anyway, think what you want. It's a fun story. I do know like you're saying, think about the minds. Like things like that definitely have existed.
2: Yeah like the human sacrifices, and I'm probably saying this because I just watched Apocalypto, uh, but all, all of that happened, like the human sacrificing and mm-hmm. uh, having bodies piled up like that and the blood drain into a pool, like, is on the same level for me, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know. For
0: sure. Especially back in the day, so.
1: Yeah, they, they while and back then.
0: Yeah, it would be super interesting to, like, research a little bit more about the craziest like death rituals, Yeah. which I guess, I don't know. My Google is already so effed up. <laughs> that won't help any. But.
1: Well, I got to go on freaking private before yeah, I start I searching that I stuff. I do that too.
0: ExpressVPN hit us up. We yeah.
1: need <laughs> protection. Yeah.
0: Anyway, thanks for letting me go on that random tangent. No, it's good. My I, story tonight kind of goes, a,
2: I mean, there's themes from that that tie into my Ooh. story. So, yeah, I think, I'm
0: excited. I mean, then like, should we just get right into it? Yeah. All right, let's roll. Let's
2: not roll. I'll just go first. Damn, okay, I like it. Okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to Feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try, give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, hel pcom slash 3am. Step into the world of power, loyalty
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. We were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
2: All right. So last week, I think it was last week or the week before, the episode where you talked about the North Shore. Yes. And your friend who attended BYUH mm-hmm. and encountered, was his name Jason?
0: That was the name given to given, him, but yeah. not his real name.
2: In the story. Yeah. Jason. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We had somebody reach out. A listener.
0: Her after dream, hearing that story?
2: Hearing that story, her name's Alyssa, <gasps> oh. who's also a patron. Alyssa attended school at BYUH in 2013. And she didn't know about the Jason story, but she led me on a train of thought and uh memories that I was able to kind of unearth after a long time, which I'll get to. But Alyssa attended BYUH, and she worked at what I was talking uh, about—the PCC. Nice, the Polynesian Cultural Center. Which village? Uh, So she took groups all around. Oh, actually, no. I think she was a photographer at PCC. Oh, Oh, that's kind
1: of dope.
0: Yeah,
2: Uh, she said it was the best white girl job there.
0: (laughs) uh, Oh, that makes sense. She's from Utah. You're not about to live – or you're not working in a village as yeah. a, a white person. <laughs> yeah. Like um, the Irish village. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she
2: said she loved it there. So you remember when I talked about La Ie Point? I thought you, you were starting to talk about La Ye and it was like the premise of – or the, the beginnings of your story. Mm-hmm. And I thought you were going to talk about La Ye Point. And I said that there's a good handful or a bad handful of suicides that ha- that occur at Laie Ye Point. <laughs> yes, she was there for one of the times that somebody drove off the cliff. Whoa! She was going with some friends to go cliff diving there.
1: Well, she was actually at Laie Point when this happened. Not like just in the area.
2: She was going to. She was going cliff diving with some friends there. And they arrive and the crane was pulling the car out of the water. Whoa. And she lived close enough to where either she saw or there was talk of four days later belongings from the car were washing up on shore. Whoa. Yeah. So this is Alyssa's intro. <laughs> um, she said she, Dude, she. Shout out Alyssa. Yeah. Thank-, thank you so much for reaching out. She worked at the Polynesian Cultural Center. And she said her favorite village there was the Fijian village. <laughs> and the <laughs> Fijian <laughs> village <laughs> is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We went... Uh, the first time I took these boys to Hawaii, I took them to the PCC. And the Fijian village... Well, every every village... Do a, in, do a refresh on PCC. Okay, sorry. The PCC stands for the Polynesian Cultural Center. And I don't know. It's our... Uh, I, I don't know how to describe it. I'm struggling. No, 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 smokes. It's smokes. Uh,
0: it's like a live representation and rec- recreation of Polynesian culture. So it's this hub on the north shore of Oahu. And you go there. It's almost like Polynesian Disneyland. So yes. you walk in. There's a super beautiful uh, canal going through the whole PCC. And each section of the park is a culture, a different ethnicity, Polynesian ethnicity. So they have the Fijian – Village, they have the Maori village, they have the Tongan, Samoan, Tahitian, Hawaiian, Hawaiian, yep. not Kitabati. Not just, <laughs> yeah, just kidding,
2: they have all these villages, and throughout the day, you can spend they do like these little shows or presentations at each village, and they're like a half an hour each.
0: They showcase so, their history, their culture, a dance, songs, and like, chants. Yeah, and, it's awesome.
2: Yeah, a lot of it's interactive, but it's really cool. Um, but her, fa- her favorite village was a Fijian village. She didn't explain exactly why, but there is one building in the Fijian village that obviously because I've, I've gone there 20 times in my life and I live half an hour away <laughs> from it, I, I've seen it. I know the one that she started talking about it in her message, and I knew pretty much the one that she was talking about uh, from the get-go but I never knew what it was because nobody's allowed to go in it, hmm. but it's there and it's huge. And, uh, she sent me some resources and I did some additional research as well, but it's this hut. That's like 60 to 80 feet high, massive. It's like a small, there's one or two doors, like either one in the front or one on the front and the back. And it's just one room with a huge roof. Like imagine like a trailer <laughs> with like a huge cone <laughs> on top of it almost. But that's kind of what it looks like, but it's all made out of like grass, you know. But this is called the Bure Kalo. Ooh. And Bure means house, kalo means spirit. So for the Fijians, this is the spirit house or kind of like their house of God or the temple. Oh. You know, for Fijians. There's um Bula. <laughs> yeah, bula means hello. Bula Vinaka Bula vinaka. So, the Burekalo or the, their <laughs> temple, only certain people can go in, like the high chief, um, or the the priests. And it's where they would go to talk to God. The Burekalo also has it's called tapa. Tapa is a cloth made from the bark of like mulberry and fig trees.
0: Should give that good tapa. <laughs>
2: <I'm Yeah. sorry. laughs> You're dumb, dude. <laughs> um, tapa or sometimes kapa, depending on different uh, Polynesian languages. Um, what does it mean again? I'm sorry. It's it's uh, just a piece of cloth that's made from like bark that's been soaked and like pounded out. You see it in a lot of uh, Tongan traditional clothing. Mm. Like they have the lava lava, like the skirt they wear. And then they have like the brown tapa around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the... The Bure Kalo has a long, plain white strip of tapa from the top running all the way down the house. And that was symbolic of like the pathway from sky to earth. Mm -hmm. And it was there for God to walk on. So super holy house, only certain people can go in, and it's at the PCC. I think it's just a replica like everything else there. Um, I don't think any they use it for actual practices.
0: I love how everything in Polynesian culture is storytelling. Everything has meaning. Mm-hmm. Like when I first started hanging out with polys and like living with them, even like small curves on the tattoos, like that one means my dad, that's my mom, that's my family. That's our mud. Eye, that's our, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. I love the imagery of it and like the walkway for God to earth. That's so sick. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of purpose and, uh, In Hawaiian, it's kauna, meaning. Mm. But, um, crazy part of how these are built this thing is 60 to 80 feet tall, massive. And it's usually on top of like a little hill, or they'd make like almost like a pyramid, almost to build on top of it, so that it's on raised ground. It's a center focal point amongst all the other structures. But obviously, they had huge posts to hold up the structure and they'd bury it deep in the ground but allegedly uh some of the builders like it was a great honor for them to hold the structures or the uh the posts that held up the rest of the bure and they were buried alive <gasps> with it holding like the the poles so this just uh, that's that's what it reminded I was reminded of when you were telling about the dogma. like. you yeah, have a dakma um anyway ooh Alyssa's talking about how she worked at the PCC. She loved it. She said on Halloween night, she left all her white friends who all went to their Halloween parties.
0: Later, Howlies. Yeah, <laughs> And went with her
2: her poly friends and snuck into the PCC. And they went to the uh, Fijian village, oh. and they were they didn't go inside the the Bude Kalo, but they were hanging out outside of it and telling ghost stories. Oh. And. uh that First of all, the, that's
0: uh, that's my bucket list now. Yeah, I know
2: <laughs> that, and uh, the fear of being caught. You know, obviously just uh, by like night security. Yeah, um, they're all just nervous and excited and whatnot. But the night guard, security guard, who patrolled the PCC. I'm not sure if it was that night, but it sounded like while she was living in Hawaii and attending BYU, uh, the night uh, security guard went into the buddha the temple, when he wasn't supposed to. Ooh. Or he's not appointed to be one of those who's allowed to enter. And he is found the next day, passed out and foaming at his mouth. So she didn't give any more detail outside of that. But uh, that just added to, you know, like the mysticism and the just... Uh, what the Buddha is, you know? Mm. So as she's going on about like Fijian culture and like the, the Fijian village at the PCC, I thought of a friend that I grew up with and I reached out to him asking about a story that he told a long time ago. And he grew up in Fiji during his younger years, but his whole family, is uh, from Fiji and he's uh, part Indian as well if you didn't know there's a ton of Indians in Fiji I can't remember why do you know why a I lot don't of know. them migrated to Polynesia maybe spice bunch of, <laughs> spice trade a bunch of know. a bunch of Indians and uh, Chinese oh yeah migrated to Fiji
0: but legitimately like Fiji is known for being like half Indian
2: yeah and know. that's why they have like Fijian curry it's like one of their main dishes you it's know? Lit. yeah <laughs> so um what's your homie's name Rob. Bula, Rob? Yeah, (laughs) R-A-A-B.
0: Oh,
1: okay.
2: Rob. But um, Rob's grandfather, born and raised Fijian. They had a small house, uh, just one story, like two rooms. Actually, they had three rooms because he had one to himself and his other siblings shared a room, and then his parents had another. But Rob's grandfather, who we'll call... John, John, uh, one of John's main chores every night was to get fresh water to have ready for the morning. And they lived by a river and he'd walk down the hill and grab a few buckets, bring it up, do that a couple times and do that every night. And he said every night at one, at one, there was one night where he was finished with his chores Everyone's asleep. He's in his room, and he's he's about to fall asleep, or he's trying to fall asleep, and all he can hear is the drinking of water. They don't have any pets. They don't have any dogs, and he knows everyone's asleep because he was the last one to, get, to uh, go into his room, and he didn't hear anybody leave their rooms to go get water, and... He's a little nervous because he doesn't know who could be making that. You know, he's thinking like, everyone's in bed. Who who can be out right now? You know, this happens for a few nights. Finally, he gets the courage to peek at what this sound is. Before that, he the next day he tells his his siblings, but uh, none of them have heard it because they're all sleeping, and uh, none of them believe him either. So john works with the courage to to go see what this is and he slowly opens his door and lit by the moon outside he sees a figure so dark so black that he could only see the eyes he said it was this small almost child leaning over the bucket but facing him you know Ugh. Was the this black figure, a bucket of water, and then John's door, bedroom door? And he said he opened the door, and the thing immediately knew that John was in the room with him. But the thing didn't do anything. Is it is it
0: his living room? I'm sorry, it's inside. It's
2: like the it's like the living room, kitchen, like one big room. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Yeah. okay. so it's in the house. Concerned in the house. Yes, sauce. it doesn't stop drinking. Keeps cupping water. And it's just watching John while it's drinking water. And John isn't scared as much as he is just curious what this thing is and why it's here, how it got here, why it's drinking its water every night. So John's just standing there in the doorway watching this thing, kind of hiding behind the door. But this thing, like I said, knows that John is aware of it. So this goes on for a few minutes. And then it stops. And the thing smiles, turns around, and walks out. John follows this thing. Oh, what? And he watches this thing jump outside the house. And I think this house was on like stilts, you know? Mm. I don't know what you call those houses.
0: Just stilted house? I don't yeah.
2: know. But you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I yeah, know? yeah. Um, because this thing jumps off like the porch area. And John watches it crouch down and start crawling under the house. John runs after it, looks underneath the house, pitch black. And John, still curious, crouches down and crawls after it into the pitch black of the underneath of the house. And apparently a lot of their chickens lived underneath the house. So John, with what he can feel and kind of make out he's grabbing chickens he's moving them out of the way looking trying to look underneath him if he can find this thing. and he said he searched through the hole underneath of the house didn't find anything this thing disappeared into the night he decided to share this with his siblings this experience still nobody believed him understandable yeah Told his parents, they said it was just nightmares. So, he lived with it by himself. and Every night this thing would come. He'd hear a slurping of water. And uh, he started finally getting scared of this thing. Not that it did anything, but that uh, <laughs> it just caught up to him finally, you know. And... It terrified him so bad that he started going to his parents' room, waking them up. They don't see anything. Um, They keep saying it's nightmares. Uh, This happens for weeks. So they finally decide to put one of his brothers in the same room as him. You know, just to have like...
0: With his brother's consent or he was just like... (laughs) You guys
2: sleep together now. Like. Just look out for each other. Oh,
0: gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I thought
2: he like tricked his brother into sleeping in the living room. No, no. Their parents were like, you <laughs> gotcha. guys stay in this room together. Gotcha. Now, you know, the first night that they're sleeping together, he, John is laying there in his bed. His brother's sleeping and John is just waiting for this little thing, little kid, little creature or something, whatever it is to come back. And he's waiting to hear the sound of slurping water. And he doesn't hear anything. And he's like watching intently at the door, his bedroom door, laying on his side. And nothing comes. So he says, maybe that, like he's thinking maybe having my brother here worked. Maybe this isn't real, you know? So he finally feels like it's good enough to, to finally go to bed. And John readjusts himself, gets comfortable rolls over and he sees on the other side of the room, the window and outside the window is a tree and perched on the branch of the tree crouching down is what looks to be the same figure. It's a little black, so dark can't make out any features besides eyes and smile. Everything else is just black. And this terrifies John wakes his brother up brother wakes up points out the window brother doesn't see anything rob looks back he's like it's right there looks it's gone of course Hmm. so rob's still continuing his life seeing this suffering through this on his own frustration bro yeah and and terrifying yeah um second night they go to bed john is waiting to hear the slurping of water nothing Rolls over slowly, looks outside the window. Tree is empty. He waits a little bit. He's listening. He's looking, listening, looking. Coast is clear. He's starting to feel at ease, and he's starting to feel real tired. So he falls asleep. He wakes up in the middle of the night, and he sees this dark figure standing at his window, and he realizes that it's not the same figure that he sees john's bed is now empty his brother's not there he puts it together that that's his brother standing at the window outside no no inside oh yeah standing inside the house staring outside the window and he calls after him i don't know his name he calls after him he says brother what are you what are you looking at what's the matter what's going on come to bed brother not breaking his his sight
0: doesn't even react
2: doesn't react, doesn't answer. And whatever he sees, he can't see because he's standing in the way. His brother is standing in the way of it. He says, brother, what is it? And he gets out of bed and he walks up. Finally, he sees this little figure's back perched up on this tree. And they're so afraid to look away because the first night they looked away and then it disappeared. The brother didn't want that to happen again. But John forces him to come back to bed, and he pulls him back. They get under their sheets or their blankets. And in that time where they came from the window to the bed, the thing perched on the tree had traveled to the window outside, now standing outside the window and staring at them. So they're lying there in bed, these two brothers, paralyzed with fear. And this thing lifts its leg up. And the other leg up, stands on top of the windowsill, and then walks fully inside the house. It said as, soon as John said, as soon as this thing came into our house, the whole room filled with black. What? And we all, both of us, went unconscious. We woke up in the morning. Everything was as it was, just regular day and that was the peak of john's experience with this this figure this little kid or visitor none of it was ever like malicious no harm had come to them they were never hurt but that memory of it being perched on the tree and its eyes staring at him in his living room and the the sound of water slurping is just burned into his brain and he told this to to
0: Rob. This is Rob's grandpa, right? Grandpa yep. John. Okay. Yep. Yeah. He told that to Rob.
2: Yeah. And John had never experienced it really ever again, but he has the memory of it, and he has his brother to tell the like the end of it, you know. Because up until that point, Rob was the only one who was seeing it. John kind of forgot about this because it, it had it really happened after that night where it came into their room until rob brought up a visitor that he had and memories of this this dark little creature or thing in in john's house as he was a child came flooding back into his mind so what happened to rob so rob and his story is something that i'll be telling for our patrons So, damn! if you want to listen to that, head to patreon.com slash the 3 a.m. pod. We tell bonus
0: stories every single week. I get to hear it, but I'm like still disappointed. (laughs) 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 Even I'm like, dang. (laughs) (laughs) That's so crazy. Okay.
2: So, Rob uh, spent his early teenage years in Australia and Sydney. Nice. His family had moved. And we're back. That's me tonight,
1: guys. Cool. Thanks for that, dude. That was fun. That was spooky, dude. It's wild how both he and his grandpa had experiences. I love
2: when uh, families or friends, like there's validation from close people.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's
0: something about it. It's like, okay, maybe you experienced that. A lot of ways we could write that off. But the second someone else experiences the same thing, it's like, okay, maybe there's something to this. (laughs) I love that. All right, so who is next?
1: Wait, on shoot or on rock, paper, set? One, two, three, go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> one, two, three, go. One, two, three,
0: go. Okay, I'll go first. All right, so that's me. All right, we're going to completely switch it up. <laughs> this story was sent to me by my cousin. The uh, goat? The, one of the goats. Oh, this was sent to the- me by Audrey. Oh, don't, don't, So Audrey, much like Seth, does the Lord's work and asks everyone, yo, <laughs> you got a good story. And she was hanging out with a friend who's from out of state. And I guess they got, it was late at night. They got to talking and her friend told her this story. Friend didn't know about a podcast, doesn't know anything about it, but just like, was like, dude, I had, honestly, she said she was pretty reluctant to tell it at first. So we're going to call her friend Ashley. So Ashley has experienced a couple crazy things in her life, but this is the one that has by far given her the most PTSD, Mm, most trauma, most traumatic for her. Mm. So it starts out. Ashley is dating her now husband. So this is back when they were just dating. Mm -hmm. It's pretty fresh honeymoon phase. They were hanging out every single day. So what they do is after work, he would come over to her house or she would go straight to his house, hang out till super late, Until finally she's like, okay, I got to drive home. Or he would be like, okay, I got to leave, you know. So they lived about a 10-minute drive away from each other. So too far to walk, but not that long to drive. Mm -hmm. Um, She lived in a townhouse community. So think it's just like those cookie-cutter homes. Mm -hmm. There's a parking lot. uh, Half the parking spots are specifically for the people who live there. Some of them are for guest parking. Some of them are covered. Some of them are uncovered. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. So it's one of those nights she's hanging out at her boyfriend's, gets late. She's like, okay, I got to go. It's fall, so it's it's getting dark even faster now. So she walks outside. No one in the parking lot. It's quiet. Goes up to her car, gets in, shuts the door, starts looking for a song on her iPod, picks it, turns the car on, throws it into reverse. The second she starts to back up,
2: beep, 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 beep,
1: beep,
0: So she like jumps because it's alarming. Holy shit, I'm about to hit something. Mm-hmm. Looks in her dash cam that's in the front mm-hmm. and she sees a figure. So she sees a man standing. And what's weird is He's like several feet back so she can see the entire outline of him. And he's just standing like almost in the middle of her camera's view. Mm-hmm. She said he was pretty tall. He had extremely baggy jeans on. He had a black hoodie. His hands are in his hoodie. And he's facing down. So she can't see his face. This obviously startles her. She jumps, right? And eight, she Eight mile? <laughs> She watches palms are sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> she watches, he, he's there for a minute, and then just slowly starts to walk away. Mm-hmm. She looks back behind her in the passenger rearview mirror or rear mirror, and can just see him walk. He walks around the corner of the townhouse and is gone. Mm-hmm. So she backs out, her heart's pounding, goes home, doesn't really even think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't even bring it up to her boyfriend. It's just like whatever. It was weird, but whatever couple nights later except this time she's at her house Mm -hmm. she's getting ready to go over to her boyfriend's so she goes down gets in her car starts to back up beep 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 beep. and she said irrational fear just takes over looks in her rear view camera and this time the figure is right up on the back of her car it's a man In extremely baggy jeans with a black hoodie and he's like she can only see from like the torso down to like the knees paralyzed with fear Mm -hmm. same thing the figure standing there slowly walks away just continues on the path
2: I'm getting really close to where like I'm not gonna
0: stop (laughs) I'm gonna keep backing up yep I don't care about your beeps. Yeah. Just hit reverse and go hard. Yeah. Just (laughs) run over this dude. She said when she was telling Audrey this story, she remembers, she said, I can remember so vividly how I felt the second time that happened. She said, I immediately just wanted to cry. Like something was up. This is more than just a coincidence. Mm, Yeah. So she decided to drive a different path to her boyfriend's. She just was like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know if I was being followed. Because the first time she saw it,
1: it was at his house.
0: Yeah, so she's not sure. Is this a different figure? Yeah. But her gut is telling her, this is the same thing. Something's Mm -hmm. wrong. So she's so terrified. She goes to her boyfriend and she tells him, like, what's going on? Hey, like, I don't think it's anything. I'm not sure. But, you know, this is happening to me. Can I just stay here tonight?
1: He says no, right? (laughs) Yeah, he's like.
0: You know the rule. No, sister. (laughs) The
1: spirit goes to bed at 11. (laughs) No,
0: no. So she stays the night. Right. Weeks go by. Um, She's working late one night. She's working on a project. She leaves her work and she remembers like, okay, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? And she remembers, crap. There's no groceries. Like I have nothing at home. Mm -hmm. I don't even have milk. I can't have cereal. So okay, I'll just stop by the grocery store real quick. Goes to the grocery store. She's in there for longer than she thinks because she's like, I might as well just buy all the groceries I need for the week. So Mm -hmm. by the time she gets out of the grocery store, it's dark. But this is weeks gone by. Mm -hmm. So she's not even thinking about anything that's happened. She pulls up to the entrance of her townhouse community, Mm -hmm. like goes through the gates, pulls into her parking lot. As she turns the corner, her headlights sweep the parking lot. And standing near a car is a man. In a black hoodie and super baggy jeans and he's just standing there and she says super quickly she like realizes sees it recognizes what it is except this time he's not wearing his hood but in a split second he throws his hood on super hard and starts pretending to fidget with something in his pocket and so she is about to pull into her spot And thinks, hell no. Like, there's no way. I'm going to just, she doesn't, she's like panicking. She's, what do I do? So she pulls at, to like the end of the parking lot and parks in a guest parking lot. She's like, I didn't want him to know my apartment number. Parks her car. Deep breath. Grabs all her groceries with one go. And sprints to her house. Mm -hmm.
2: The dude's like, I've stood behind your car twice. I know who you are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So she gets, runs up. Slams the door, locks it, turns off all the lights, and runs to the window. Grabs one of the blinds and peeks through and looks down in the parking lot. And she sees a black hooded figure in super baggy jeans like sprinting out of the townhouse parking lot. Like he's running to the entrance. So now she knows, okay, this dude's sketch doesn't belong here. It's not just a neighbor. Mm -hmm. He wasn't getting into a car. He wasn't grabbing his keys. Mm -hmm. Something's up she's so terrified calls her boyfriend i need you to come over tells him everything like listen this has happened three times like this is it this, and they both decide i think it's time we call the cops but they said we're, they were fully aware they had like nothing to go on mm-hmm. but they're like i think we should just call the cops they call the cops tell them what's happening and the cops are like well i'm sorry but like i mean there's not much we can go on and she says he is a white male over six feet tall, dark hair, but other than that, I didn't really see anything, mm-hmm. wears a hoodie and baggy jeans. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, has he threatened you? No. You know, Has he broken in? Has he stolen? No. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I mean, the best we can do is we can send a unit over there and drive through and look around. Like, right, Okay. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So they wait, 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 20 minutes later. Cop car drives through the townhouse parking lot. Lights are going, but no sirens. Just kind of drives through two or three times and leaves. And they're watching the whole time. They're watching the bushes. They're watching the corners. They see nothing. Okay, that's all we can do. So weeks go by after that. She wakes up. She's getting ready for work. She gets an email. It's her bank. And it's just one, It's like an automated message. And it says, hey, there's been a huge purchase on your card. We want to make sure it's you. Can you confirm? If it's not, let us know immediately. She looks and like $800 worth of stuff has been bought at like a Lowe's or a Home Depot, some hardware store. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, I definitely, that wasn't me. Immediately calls the bank, cancels the card, changes the account number, everything. Mm -hmm. That's so weird. Week after that, she's at work. Her and some coworkers, they say, hey, let's go. They had this one sandwich store Mm -hmm. that they would always go to. Like, let's go, let's go there and we'll grab sandwiches. Perfect. So they're there, they're eating. And as she's eating, she's like looking down and the door opens and a person walks in and she immediately recognizes who it is. And she said, weirdly enough, like uh, it was because of like his, his legs and his stance. It was uh, an ex-boyfriend of hers. He was wearing a well-tailored suit. He worked in the same part of town. He walked in and she's like, I don't want to talk to him. But it's going to be super awkward if I don't. So she takes a deep breath and is like, I'll just go say hi real quick. And she stands up. Random background on this dude. Uh, They had dated for a while. And they had broken up about a year and a half previous. Mm -hmm. Um, Near the end, he was getting super manipulative. Mm -hmm. Very clingy, super jealous. And several times she tried to break up with him. And he would not take no for an answer. He was super forceful. He's like, no, you're staying. Until she was like, you know, basically screaming, no, I'm done. And he's like, fine. Okay. They had run into each other once or twice within that year and it was always whatever. So she gets up, walks over to him and says, hey, how are you? Like crazy to see you out here. And he's like, yeah, super nice, super normal. Mm-hmm. Order something to go and leaves. She's like, oh, okay. A couple nights later, she's at her boyfriend's. He was doing like spring cleaning or something, even though I already said it's fall. <laughs> he was just like cleaning out his closet. He's getting rid of stuff. So Mm -hmm. she's helping him. Uh, he's like in the kitchen. She's in his room. She's going through his closet and she finds his gym bag in the back of his closet. Mm -hmm. She grabs it. She's like, okay, maybe I can donate this, opens it up and pulls out super baggy jeans. And she turns around and her boyfriend, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) They are cleaning. She doesn't find a bag of jeans. She fills up a trash bag. And what they had been doing is, he would be like, yeah, donate all that or go throw it away. So all night they were taking bags out to the trash, the dumpster. It's about her third or fourth time taking a bag out. She grabs a bag, opens his apartment door, walks down halfway to the dumpster. When she gets a feeling and quickly glances down the street, she doesn't know why, she just gets like, I I need to look over here quickly looks over and sees a parked car. And in the driver's seat of the car, she sees her ex-boyfriend. Now as quickly as she can, she looks down to not like alert him Mm -hmm. when it all hits her. And she connects all the dots. She said, I felt the blood drained from my face. Mm -hmm. I my, my heart went cold. Like her ears, her, Spine is tingling. At first, she's super confused. But like I said, very quickly, everything clicks. She just sets the trash down, kind of near the curb where she's standing, turns around, and as calmly as she can, she walks back up into her boyfriend's house, calmly shuts the door, and the second she gets inside, locks the door and starts bawling. And she's like frantically Calling her boyfriend, come here, come here, come come here, come here now. She's like trying to get him to come. And he comes and she's like, what's going on? And she's a blubbering mess. She's just bawling. The reason why she's crying is everything added up. It was her ex the entire time. And he had been wearing baggy pants. And it was because her boyfriend, and this is the reason why she was able to recognize him immediately in the sandwich shop, is he had super bow-legged, bowed legged legs and she realized the entire time that he wore those baggy pants so that she wouldn't recognize him and she put it together he had been at her house he had been outside his house the boyfriend's house and he knew like her credit card information Mm -hmm. and she realized everything was escalating he started by being super far away then he's like right up on her then he's at her her boyfriend's house. Then he's charging her card. And then he even like that accidental run-in at the at the shop. She's like, I don't think it was accidental. Accidental. but not. Accident. I mean, no. yeah. So the boyfriend's able to get this information out of her. She's terrified. Yeah. Calls the cops. Mm-hmm. Cops come super quick this time. And they're able to arrest him. Yeah. Not only do they arrest him, they convict him. Because they did a search. Of his house and his car. In his house, he had her credit card information written down. He had a ton of photos of not only her, but other random women. And they're all super voyeuristic, like outside Uh. through windows and shit. And when they went through his car, he had duct tape, zip ties, trash bags, shovel, and a hammer all in his car.
1: The photos of the other girls, did they know, like, were they able to find who those were? And I don't know. But
0: he's still in prison to this day, and she and her boyfriend moved states and got married.
1: Hmm. Smart.
0: Nice. So she said she firmly believes that she, like, stopped him before something really, really, really bad was about to happen. Yeah, Probably, yeah. And that's it. It's crazy how she pieced it together. He really was eight mile with the bow legs. <laughs> knees
2: weak.
1: Arms are <laughs> heavy.
0: <laughs> you nerd. <laughs> but anyway, that's the story. That's Ashley's story. And that's how she narrowly escaped a possible death. What's the murder? Uh, what, do we know what state that was? I don't. I asked. Still don't. And she like said that. she, I asked my cousin and she said that she, Ashley said she would just kind of didn't want to say any of that, just for safety reasons. Huh. Yeah, state of emergency. <laughs> <laughs> but really, though, it's last me tonight. Ton. Thank you, Audrey. Yeah, and Ashley.
1: And Ashley. Okay, so my story comes from probably at three a.m. First, someone found me on LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> excuse me what nice. <laughs> and messaged
1: me and they said before I make a fool out of myself are you the Sean from 3am <laughs> oh you're famous bro and I was like uh, yeah dude what's up he's like, like
2: oh I was just asking because you put that in your resume on LinkedIn
1: <laughs> dude <laughs> trying to be on that podcast list where people look for podcasters there it's like that position as a fry cook is still available <laughs> <laughs> And then he decided he wanted to give me a story as well. and <laughs> On LinkedIn? On LinkedIn, dude. Damn, dude. And he also, in the process of telling this story, told me that he's never shared this story with anyone outside of talking about it with the people who were there. Whoa, what the heck? So this is a first for him. It's a first for us. I think it's it was a first for, for everyone for on the planet. planet. I think it's a first for LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't Shout know out scary, LinkedIn, please. I don't know how many uh, scary stories are told in that app? Dude, we we'll just get that sponsorship too from LinkedIn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this guy's name is Chance, and that's a fake name. He didn't want to have his name out there. So uh, Chance is telling me that when he was growing up, around age ten, he and his mom were really close. At one point, kind of in and around this this age of his, around ten he said that his mom started to experience an unbearable pain, just uh, swelling, etc., cetera, and they didn't know why. Just so, like in her
0: whole body swelling
2: or like depression?
1: Uh, he doesn't describe that here. He just says she started to experience unbearable pain and, and swelling and they didn't know why. Huh. So at one point she ended up going to the emergency room and had some blood tests run and the results came in. He, he said he remembers it like it was yesterday. It was before Christmas Eve, and he thought it was crazy because he couldn't imagine putting himself in the doctor's shoes of having to tell someone oh. this on a holiday like Christmas. So he was in his room, supposed to be asleep, when he heard his parents talking and getting the news that his mom had leukemia. Jeez. So terrible, terrible disease. And he'll never forget it the crying and the weeping between his mom and his dad. And he uh, couldn't quite fully comprehend at the time, but his parents ended up telling all of the children he was able to understand. But like when he heard them, overheard them, he didn't. He said he was the youngest. He had three older sisters, two that he grew up with, and one from a previous marriage. Mm. And he mentions her by name. Her name was Rita. So kind of after years of struggling with devastating news of his mom having this, this cancer, they uh, end up relocating just for treatment. And after a long fight with leukemia, his mom ends up passing away. Now, eventually she did end up losing her battle with cancer uh, and she really wasn't herself when they'd brought her into a hospice, he said that she kind of just felt empty as if her soul had kind of already left her body. She was given about three weeks when she was sent home for hospice and the first night from being away from, from that she passed away the next morning. Wait, wait. the first night of hospice. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Okay. So she was, yeah, she was, done. she was, yeah, she was pretty done. So he said his mom also had two sisters and, One of these sisters is also important to this story. Um, This sister of hers was in kind of an abusive marriage and mentioned it was verbal and sometimes physical abusive marriage. And he remembered his mom was always trying to help her get out of it, but his aunt or his mom's sister was just too afraid of kind of losing everything, Mm. kind of putting herself in that, dealing with it because she didn't want to have to go back to, I don't know, being single or having to live life alone. So she never did get out of it. So after his mother had passed away, a few days later, they held the funeral. His aunt never made it to the funeral, though. Mm -hmm. And he never understood why at the time. He was actually really upset with it because they were all close as a family. And shortly after the funeral, though, he got a call that his aunt had actually committed suicide. So shortly after his mom passed away, his aunt commits suicide he mentions that it was actually the husband who had control of her medication, so this abusive spouse, and at, at this point just basically threw the bottle at her and basically said, do whatever you want. Oh, And she overdosed on the, the medication she was supposed to be taking. So uh, fast forward, he uh, ends up attending his mom's funeral, and then his aunts within about two weeks of each other. Jeez. Uh, and he wrote this. We don't have to include it. But he said, now's the f- up part. So you thought that was all above was f***ed up, but just wait. <laughs> damn, dude. No. I, I, <laughs> so as I'm reading this story, I'm like, well, damn. I'm like seriously well, stressed damn. right now. Yeah. Well, damn. Just as I keep going through this story. So uh, shortly after both funerals ended up happening, his oldest half sister, Rita, mm-hmm. invites him, his other siblings over to her house to kind of do do a prayer, just like a prayer of peace, something is what he described it as, but he's also 10. He said that he was lied to. He had no idea what he was actually going over to this house for. I just got chills. As he gets over to the house, he and Rita, his two sisters, and also Rita's husband was there. They head into the living room and he remembers that she brings out what he could only describe as a Ouija board. But... <sighs> It's not an actual Ouija board in like the the typical sense," he said. "It didn't have the letters on it. It was like a board with words over it. So like you, and it was homemade as well. So it looked like someone had just pieced it together. Oh, so you okay, Deed? <laughs> He's pissed at Rita. No, it's not just, okay. It's just this is real stressful. So they uh, start to perform this sort of seance with the the uh, homemade Ouija board that they have out. How old is your homie? He's like 10. Dude, so what he's the hell been, are we doing? He was lied to, brought him, his two sisters over to this house. And now they're performing some sort of seance with this homemade Ouija board. When all of a sudden, one of his sisters, not Rita, starts seizing up. And then started laughing. So she starts seizing up and then starts laughing in front of all of them. But he could tell as this 10-year-old kid, it's not his sister laughing. Yeah, for sure. It reminded him more of his mom than his sister. At this point, his sister that had been laughing stops and asks Rita for a cigarette. Now, he notes that this sister that had been seizing up and laughed had never smoked a day in her life, but his mom did. So two things right in a row, just kind of indicating that that's potentially his mom. So Rita brings her a cigarette and, um, he said that his sister just kind of started smoking like she had been doing it her entire life. Like it, it was something she was used to doing. Now as she was smoking, His oldest sister, Rita, starts asking the uh, younger sister, who is unnamed, "Uh, Mom, is that you? At that point, the possessed sister says yes. Rita then asks her if she's okay and if she is happy. And whatever was possessing his sister at this point kind of speaks again, but doesn't really sound like his mom. Uh Uh-oh. They responded, no, he won't let me cross over. And he says at this point, his face just turns white. He feels all of the blood just drop out of his face. His sister Rita then asks, is Janet with you? Which is the sister that committed suicide. Whoa. Immediately after that, the possessed sister responded, no, she was able to move on but he won't let me go. As soon as she said those words, my sister started seizing up again, and this time even worse. So they had to call 911. He said that Rita's husband ran to the kitchen to get water for my sister, and as he gets to the kitchen, he just freezes. As he's looking at the back door, and they can't see the back door from the living room, All of a sudden, Rita's husband starts freaking out. Just like, guys, what's going on here? Him as the 10-year-old kid decides he's going to run and get the water for his sister because he doesn't know what else to do. As he gets to the kitchen, he sees what Rita's husband is looking at. And he describes standing at the back door what looked like a 7-foot-tall with horns on its head and goat-like legs just standing at the glass opening in this back door. Holy shit. Dude, heavy hit. Beelzebub showed up. (sighs) And he starts to panic at this point as well. He fell to the floor and Rita's husband started kind of dragging him out of the living room or out of the kitchen back into the living room. And he runs over to the sage that they had. And he starts like lighting up sage because he doesn't know what else to do. I actually had to look this up, but he describes the, uh, sage as it's being lit as these tight flame or tight smoke that is like being ringlets lit or something. Yeah. And it's actually indicative of uncleanliness in the area, just evil spirits in the area. I feel like I've heard that. So, He's describing first this terrible thing he's seen at the door and then the smoke just super tight. And I guess it's tight because of all the evil energy in the area is not allowing the smoke to go throughout the room. So it's like being pressed in and stuff. Being like pressed compressed. In. exactly. Gosh. So he says after recovering from what he could only describe as a panic attack, he and his sister, who was no longer seizing up, ended up leaving and he said he couldn't sleep for over 10 days. What the hell? I imagine he's probably off and on like nodding off. Yeah, maybe later. not like a full night's sleep. Not a full night's sleep. But he said that that experience he's never talked about with anyone else. He says even Rita's husband saw exactly what it is that he saw. So, like, they talked about it and confirmed. They talked about it and confirmed. And the husband was the first one to even see it in the first place because he had walked into the kitchen to get water. I have chills, dog. So he said he wanted to add something as well, that his sister Rita had come from a previous marriage of his mom's, and that husband had also been extremely abusive and had beat her constantly. He had actually ended up getting drunk, Passing out in a creek and drowning. Whoa. So that's Rita's dad. Rita's dad and his mom's previous husband. And that was the only thing he could think of when he heard, he won't let me go. As if the husband, her previous husband, was holding on to her and not letting her pass on. But that didn't explain anything of what he saw that night either. Freaking, freaking, freak! But- uh, that's the end of his story. He says he's like, like I said, he's not really talked about it with anyone before.
0: Do you know this person?
1: I don't know them. He legit hit me up on LinkedIn. How did he know Is it from your work at all? No, he's not from my work either. What that's is happening? That's why he was saying like
0: somebody or no,
1: legit legitimately well, the first. Here's the thing. Sorry for this
0: is boring for our viewers, but this is crazy. So Sean is at work and they send out this email recently and it was like, hey, Halloween season is, and this is like HR, you know. Yeah, yeah. Halloween season is upon us. Like people <laughs> at my work or people at our work, go ahead and if anyone has a spooky tale, send in their story. And so Sean was just like, oh, uh, me and me and I, I actually have a scary story podcast. Here's a link. If you want to use any of them, go for it. So that's why I was like, oh, maybe someone in your work oh,
1: saw that. Yeah, yeah. No, no one. This is not from work. What is happening? This How did happened they find before you? that, actually. I've had this for about two weeks now.
0: How do they find you?
1: I have no idea. I have no idea. Okay. Something. I know you said you think it's like the X. Well, and that's what he said. He
0: said that's what he thought of. Here's the thing. Hmm. I've heard this on Mysterious Universe. I've heard this on when my friend talked to the foot soldier for Satan Mm. and I've heard this, I can't remember where else. Um, first I'll start with my friend. My friend was in Australia out in the middle of nowhere in the outback. And he had a very long conversation with this guy who claimed to be a foot soldier for Satan, who worked for Satan, who gave his body away to be used. And he said, In return, he was given power. But one of the things he was given was knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so he was taken away in the spirit and he was shown what happens to you when you die and where you go. And a lot of the things that he shared, sorry if this is too much, is what Mormons believe. Like our perception of why we're here, where we came from, and where we're going. It all fit in. And this is coming from a person who did not know the Mormon religion or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what he did say was, there's some threshold you cross after you die and it's almost like this path into the afterlife or the spirit world. And what happens is they wait there and they try to catch spirits before they can pass. Whoa. So there's something where they, this he said that the spirit who was with him, who was teaching him all about the process said, this is where we wait to try to catch those who are trying to cross over. And he thought that was crazy. And when he told my friend that my friend sitting there like, applying his knowledge of the church and the, and the gospel that we believe in. And he was like, holy shit. I'm like, what? Then recently I'm listening to Mysterious Universe, and I think they're talking to a guy who's like a I, I could be messing this up, but I'm pretty sure they were talking to a guy who had um he either studied really old religions or he was like a regression hypnotherapist. Mm. Anyway, there's some entity that he discovered that waits at the threshold after life and tries to catch people crossing over. Mm-hmm. And he said it's like a real entity that does that. Hmm. And that like that recently I heard that like two or three weeks ago or something. And now you're telling me this thing. And the mom was saying, like, I can't cross over. They
1: won't let me cross over. Paired with the whatever it was that was and he <laughs> said the thing wasn't doing anything. It was just, just standing there. Which is almost more terrifying.
0: Hmm. It reminds me what you were saying uh, about, like, is it the river of Hades? No, I don't know. They just said, that, like, it was some sort of path or conduit or, like, some threshold that, like, the spirit of the dead cross. But, uh, like,
2: I'm saying the river of Hades. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, you pay to get a cross, but isn't the river made of – this is, like, Greek mythology.
1: It's made of spirits. All I know
2: about yeah. it is – Made is of spirits,
0: yeah. What I learned in Hercules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But
1: oh, yeah, that and
2: it's similar, yeah, because you're crossing over and there's, th- there's, you can't like swim across it, you know,
1: huh,
0: dude. I obviously, this guy doesn't want to be identified. Yeah. I am so weirdly intrigued by how you receive the story. Like, who is this? What's happening? That's funny that you only caught on to that after. No, I know. I thought because I, I was just like, oh, it must be someone that Sean knows professionally. And I know you recently like sent that out in your company, so I was like, oh, maybe this is a coworker.
1: No, his first message was, Hey Sean, before I give you a story and make a fool of myself, are you the same Sean Gasway from 3 a.m.? So weird. And he requested me as like a as a connection. Connection at this point as well. Not from not from work. Bro, interesting.
0: I just had such vivid like imagery of the sister like jerking and shaking and then like howling laughing you know and then like looking down and then being like that's not her
1: yeah <laughs> no, the, the laughing part too and then the changing of tone and voice after that just so terrifying like you you like hear about that and anytime someone's trying to do a seance or use a Ouija board but just each time is super stressful <laughs> <laughs> It reminds
0: me of the scene in Hereditary. The mom just lost her daughter. She's going to this group. Oh, she just lost her mom. Then she loses her daughter. Mm-hmm. And then she goes to this group for support. And the lady there is like, oh, I have to share something with you.
1: Oh, yeah. You can talk
0: to her again. I'll show you how. Uh, and then she does it and she wakes her family up in the middle of the night. And she's like, come do this with me. And just like. So when he was like walking in, I could like see the just sister and like, just the, do this with us. Just do this with us.
1: Yeah. Ugh. I thought of that exact scene as well. And it's so just gross that they would lie to him because that's what he he's said happened.
0: Also, I feel like that's not a great way to start a seance. It's like with deception, not no trust. It's like, and from what I know, my limited research is like, you're not supposed to like invite anything like that when you use a Ouija board. Oh no. Even if it's like someone you know, because it's too easy for something to imitate that. Yeah. Dude, what if the thing in the back door was the thing not letting her cross and it was just there to like watch, you know i After what
1: like hearing what you've said, like from mysterious universe and the other guy in Australia. Yeah. I think that's possible.
0: Like almost like he's just like, all right, I'll let you go to this thing. But like, I'm going to be right here the whole time. Yeah. I'm going to be watching. I don't know. I don't know what that is. But, I mean, the imagery that you saw at the back door is Beelzebub, like Lucifer or the beast, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think, I mean, definitely has a hand, I think, in like
0: orchestrating the chaos and like just overseeing it, making sure it's. Did y'all just hear that? yeah did not like that <laughs> i just heard like a hinge like a squeak yeah, yeah. and no n- no one else is here so i'm terrified Frick, well hey, y'all gonna walk me to my car tonight this is one of those <laughs> nights where I'm, I'm i'm gonna need help you're not okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is it yeah i hear you oh, but, okay like how do we i feel like we got to do something to clear the air y'all because <sighs> where's our sage bro i know Let's go watch some like Theo Vaughn or something. After this. <laughs> for real.
1: That is a good way. But that's um, me for tonight. Good. Thank you, Sean.
0: Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Chance. Thank you, Chance. Anything else to add?
1: Guys, listeners, uh, hit us up on LinkedIn. <laughs> G- give us your stories.
0: Make a connection.
1: <laughs> yeah. Connect with us. You'll be part of our network. <laughs> I
0: don't know why, but that one's going to mess me up for a while. I think I'm like going to be thinking about that tonight when I go to sleep. um, no. It's like a – it also
2: reminds me of a, the signs.
1: Like the movie signs? Yeah, the movie signs. What Sorry. part?
2: When um, – what's his name? The Joker.
1: Oh, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah.
2: He's like watching the video on the TV with the kids.
1: Vaminos
0: children. Yeah, v- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then like – Which it would piss me off because they're in Brazil and he's yeah. screaming Spanish at them. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> but they're, the kids are freaking out. They're, like, moving, win- like, looking out the window. Uh, and then they see, like,
0: around the bushes, just the alien, goes, like, walk. And yeah. when it steps out, comes freeze, out. kids scream, and it's- he just, like, walks. <laughs> he, like, backs up into the into the closet. He's like, oh, oh, dude, that scarred me as a kid when yeah. I saw that. I was like, I don't want it's
2: this terrifying. Yeah. It's <laughs> a simple scene, but it's terrifying. Oh, powerful. <laughs>
1: anyway. Well, we're just sorry that we can't help you clear the air after listening to this episode, but.
0: <laughs> uh, I know. I feel bad almost. Guys, <laughs> I, love, I love all of you. Thank you so much. I just want to shout out all of our patrons. We talk about every single new one that we get. We talk about it in our personal like group. People send us messages that are just like, like, thank you for what you guys are doing. Stuff like that. It means a lot. Probably more than it should, <laughs> but it, it truly does because of our patrons and everyone who's like bought the t-shirts. We're going to start, as you can see, I mean, we're in the woods right now. Uh, we're going to start, yeah, like developing our space and our equipment and like really, I don't know, delivering the product that we're proud of, I guess.
1: Yeah. So but
0: thank you, you all. Yeah. I'm glad we had another week where you can come get scared and we hope you all have a good week. Happy October. trust your gut watch your back bye love you be safe question everything bye bye don't invite it in
1: If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you.
0: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.
1: but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts.